this. He's the Saber Advisors audio experience. Can probably start kicking things off as people start filtering in. Um, this is Saber Advisors this week in retail. Um, just wanted to let everyone know that we are recording this session. We are content creators and uh, we record pretty much everything we do. So uh, this may be used in future endeavors. Uh, so don't say anything that, that you wouldn't want out in the universe. Um, this morning, we're going to talk briefly, uh, start the conversation with some of the brands that have done really well throughout the pandemic or maybe because of it. Um, I'm actually going to kick it off for us. If you want to just uh, talk about something that's interesting to you and, and we'll start. Okay. Not sure where Russ went. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looks like Russ is having some technical difficulties. So um, I'll, I'll kick something off. I mean, I, I think one of the things or some of the brands that I found really interesting um, throughout this are a lot of the um, kind of athleisure brands. And that's beyond just like the workout stuff, which which I think had kind of a moment early on. But I mean, you can't really be on Instagram or Facebook or anything now without seeing like a thousand ads for sweatpants and sweatshirts and like cozy whatever, or, you know, men's joggers that you can wear to the office or wear on your Zoom call at home. Um, and it just seems like there's this um, incredible wave of comfort clothes. And, um, you know, as, as someone who's always really cared a lot about what I wear, even, you know, if I'm at home, uh, I could say with certainty that my my overall outfits have gotten more casual. Um, you know, I'm, I'm used to taking meetings in a fairly casual manner, but still looking pretty buttoned up and presentable. Um, and, you know, outside of that lately, it's been, you know, athleisure wear to the office, athleisure wear at home. It's kind of everywhere. So um, certainly not shocking given that, you know, we've been home so much and so many people are home. But, um, you know, seeing all of these, it's like you can't go on without seeing a new brand or something new or or. or another line of clothes from a celebrity that that's basically just, you know, sweatpants and sweatshirts. Right. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm back. Sorry. I, was, I got kicked off three times. Um, I apologize for that. Can you hear me now? Fourth time's a charm. Fourth yeah. time's a charm. No, I, I think that that's a really good observation, Justin. And I agree. And, and there's other brands that are growing. And like, we've talked about Viore before. And like, I know my wife is like obsessed with them even more than Lululemon. And I actually got the catalog the other day and I looked through it and I'm going to order a bunch of stuff. Like their shorts look amazing. Like I'm in, they, they sold me. They are there. actually very good. Their shorts and their, their joggers and stuff are, are really good quality actually. So what I was going to say regarding the, the, pandemic and how the, the transfer to athleisure, I just think it's also just, I don't know if I'll ever go back to dressing the way that we were on a daily basis, you know, and it, it's been a steady decline over the years as far as formality. You know, I think we've talked about this on here a few times before, but, you know, it used to be, you know, suit and tie always had to be suit and tie. Um, maybe not at Sabre, but at my previous companies, you didn't have a tie, you got sent home. Like it was suit and tie. Obviously we, you know, once we started Sabre, we kind of bucked that trend a little, uh, got more casual. There was no ties. Then it went from, you know, no suits. It went to, uh, you know, jeans and a button down and, and a sports coat. And now I couldn't even tell you, I think in the last, however months, how many months it's been that we've been in this pandemic, you know, 14 months or whatever it is, 13 months. I think I've worn a sports coat twice. Um, I, I don't 
don't see myself wearing them that much anymore. And now it's like, I'll go to a meeting, I'll go to a tour, the downward spiral continues. And I don't mean that in a, so a negative way, it just kind of keeps leaning more casual. You know, now I go to meetings and a hat and a sweatshirt and a pair of like ABC pants from Lululemon and no one says a word, no one cares. Everyone's dressed casually, even in the most buttoned up situations where you would expect others to wear suits and ties they're not i just think those days are over and i think that people are now being judged less at least that's my opinion on their professionalism on what they're wearing now i'm not saying you you dress like a slob you know putting on these nice nicer athleisure brands it's nice clothes it's fitted you know what i mean it's it's tailored they look good but it's it's i think almost now if you came like all suited and booted up to a, a meeting people would be like are you going to a funeral you know, it's like no one's doing it anymore. So I only see those brands continuing to grow um, because I know for me and I'm, I know Justin here, we're, we're very aligned uh, on the fashion front and like what we like to wear. I, I don't know. I don't see myself wearing a suit and tie anytime soon. I don't see myself wearing a sports coat unless it's a real big pitch meeting and I want to make that impression. Other than that, it's I think casual is here to stay for a long time. Well, and think too, like in, in old days, um, you know, we would, I don't know, like you go to a, a, a networking function or a dinner or whatever, and oftentimes you'd be a little dressed up. And like, you know, for the last probably five years, I would say we those are not events for suits. I'd break out my suits a couple of times a year, um, you know, for ICSE perhaps and some other things. But, you know, outside of that, it wasn't suits. But the, the jeans, dress shoes, and a blazer thing was, you know, almost a daily uniform. And, you know, even my, like, more dressed days, if I'm not wearing, like, Lululemon, like, leggings and a, and a sweatshirt, uh, you know, to the office, it's like right now I'm in jeans and a long t-shirt, and that's been kind of my move. Like, like a, you know, a nicer t-shirt, but, um, you know, regardless, it's, it's a t-shirt. And, uh, you know, right now I'm wearing Vans, you know, skinny jeans and, and a long sleeve tee. And that'll be my, my look for today. Um, but that was my look the other day. And, it, you know, I had a meeting with a new client who, by the way, showed up in baggy jeans and a baggy sweatshirt and, and old sneakers for a first time meeting, um, you know, in face. So with a new client, like that's, it's just like a totally different world. And, and um, yeah, I and I also point, think like, that that's rebound, speaks to, yeah, but I, I don't. I mean, I think being tailored and fitted is one thing. But, you know, being casual is another. But also, that 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 has brought rise to the success of all the DTC brands that we like, that you know are selling the basics, right? Like those keep exploding, yeah. and I, every day on Instagram I see a new one. Whether it's you know, um, what is it, fresh cut tees or cuts or built or Buck Mason makes great T-shirts. Um, I, I see a lot of t-shirts in my Instagram feed these days and I think people that's they're wearing, you know, fitted, nicer quality, you know, basics with like a nice pair of jeans or a pair of like Lululemon pants. Like that is the uniform going forward. And I don't, again, I don't see myself changing. I, I don't see you changing. I'd be curious to see no. your, I, I bought, changing. I or, or I'd love to hear suits. from the, I'd love to hear from the ladies here, you know, cause obviously you know, except for you, Justin, ladies care about their the fashion a little bit more than maybe everyone else. Um, <laughs> maybe not the two. Maybe not the two of us. But yeah, it's, well, and, and again, it just, b- before it's, we do it's that, like, it I, speaks to me. I I bought a bunch of suits 
during the pandemic, like let's say May, June, July of last year. Cause I'm like, well, you know, by the time fall comes around, I'm going to need all these suits again. And like, everything's at such a bargain, like why not? And, um, you know, I bought a bunch of things super, super cheap, but I haven't even like gotten them tailored yet or like fit. So, um, <laughs> You know, good good luck with that, and I guess I guess I haven't really used it much. Um, Morgan, you popped up. I don't know if you had something specific to jump in on. Yeah, I like this conversation, <laughs> um, but it's funny that y'all that we're talking about this because last week I actually went to a live mixer. Uh, it was a CCIM commercial real estate mixer, and my sister she works for um, Heinz which she works out of their high-rise office um, in Oklahoma City. But, you know, she's still, she's been going to the office now, and she's still on that, I wear slacks, I wear, you know, nice business casual clothes. Um, and so I was on FaceTime with her, and I was getting dressed for this mixer. And, you know, I, I, I had on the casual top, and some skinny jeans that were destroyed a little bit and some cute high heel boots and uh, um, a fedora hat. She was like, where are you going? And I told her, I said, I was going to a um, commercial real estate mixer. She's like, you're going like that? And I was like, yeah, I look cute. <laughs> and I, I think said, I saw that oh. on, on your gram and, and I will agree with you, by the way, it did look good. And, but that's, that's like a perfect example in my opinion. Like, yeah. That's, that's everything that, that I think has changed. And like, you wouldn't go to that in sweatpants. Like you're wearing an outfit. It's a presentable outfit, which you would probably wear out to dinner, you know, with, with, you know, family or friends or whatever, but that's very comfortable to, to go to, um, you know, some kind of, uh, commercial real estate thing at this point. And, and doesn't matter the industry. Um, no, I was about to say that just, I don't, I don't think it matters the industry. I remember I was talking to my buddy who right. works at, he works at Barclays. He's very, you know, suit and tie kind of guy, you know, finance guy. And we were talking, it was actually like a few months ago, um, because he was, he was looking, he's looking for a new job. And I was like, oh, so, you know, after work, you just take your interviews. Cause he's like, I got to take a day off. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why do you got to take the day off to go to an interview? And he said to me, he's that Barclays has also adopted a more casual uh, dress code. And he said, if I show up to work, not in a, like a, golf shirt and I have like a dress shirt on and a, and a jacket, they're immediately going to know that either I have a funeral after or I have an interview. And I was like, that's so strange. I would not think a world like finance, like, you know, where they're doing a multi-billion dollar debt deals, you know, we're you know, talking to CEOs and titans of industry that if you come in a suit and tie, you're going to get questioned as to, well, what are you doing? That's weird. You, why are you not wearing a golf shirt? So I think every industry is going in that way. And it's, I think it all, it's just a hybrid of, you know, how work from home is going to affect, you know, careers going forward and just the casualness. And I think that's one of the things that came out of the pandemic that was positive. I feel like it humanized people more and also uh, led people to be judged on their skill set rather than on how they look, which I thought, I think is great. Uh, because we shouldn't be judged just it shouldn't be two guys in a room and the guy in a suit and tie he's more professional not necessarily true or he's better at his job also not necessarily true where i could you know show up in ripped jeans and a and a sweatshirt and a pair of jordans you know and i could 
talk circles around the next guy. I just think it's fairly interesting, and I don't th- I don't see it changing. Yeah. And again, I think drink, bringing it back to retail, it just you know it opens up the opportunity for these other brands, these DTC brands, the brands that we're all into and that are growing, uh, who are now you know only in in you know. Uh, an online presence to become more omni-channel and open some brick and mortar. And again, I don't know exactly how they do it. If they open up their own stores, if it's a pop-up, if it's in one of these, you know, curated, uh, you know, like neighborhood goods type of department store. But I, I just think it's it's going to propel those brands and these new brands that ever, everyone likes to 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 use. So I just think it's a it's only a matter of time before that becomes the you know it's the new gap. It's the new you know thing that's on every corner. I was thinking about how, like, back, you know, in ICSC parties or realty resources or whatever, like, I I have very clear memories in my mind of you, me, and Jay walking into some of these things in, like, T-shirts and jeans and, you know, probably, you know, me in, like, white white jeans, which are a, a staple for me often in warmer weather, like, I have like very clear images and like sneakers, like, you know, Nikes or whatever, and like walking into some of these things and the folks that, you know, were there and, and from all over the country, but in different like levels of dress, but by far, I think we were the most casual in a way that, that, um, that uniform of ours in kind of the t-shirt and jeans was, um, attention getting in a good way. Um, you know, I, I think once you've kind of made it and established yourself, um, it was like you sort of had the ability to, to do whatever the fuck you wanted. And I, I think that was interesting. And I think people always like felt a certain way about that. I don't know if that's going to be the same now moving forward. If everyone's dressing the same, it's it's going to it's going to get lost. So we're going to have to get some like mesh tank tops or I don't know, something. Natalie, did I um, talk over you before? No, it's fine. It's fine. I was just going to say, Russ had a great point of the humanization almost around this um, because we were, you know, actually in the middle of a pandemic and life life and death was a little more, you know, at the forefront. So I didn't think that, you know, clothes and apparel was as important as it was before. So I think that will stick around for a little bit. I don't know the actual impact of it, but for me, that's kind of what it was. I was like, why, why do I continue to wear suits? <laughs> like it's, uh, it's just not comfortable. It's just at the end of the day. So I also have all these, these brands on my like Facebook and Instagram feeds of like leggings that look like work pants and all of these. And I don't hate the trend. I really don't. I got to tell you. So I don't know how much is, this is going to overlap, but it's definitely changed the way that I kind of approach it. And my shopping has gone way more casual than it has in the suit direction. So just wanted to add that in. And for the record, you, you guys both, Justin and Russ are way more fashionable than I am (laughs) for the record. Okay. Trying to keep up. Well, we've, we've actually never met in person. So maybe it's a whole facade. You actually have no idea. (laughs) Well, then you're putting up a great image. (laughs) Thank you. It's all about branding, baby. Exactly. So, I, I, I think – go ahead, Russ. No, no, I was going to say, uh, you know, obviously we're, you know, I don't want to belabor the point about, you know, the athleisure. I, I think there's a lot of other brands and other categories that have have seen success, um, you know, 
during this last year, and I'd love to hear some other people's takes on it. Obviously, I think we've already talked about it, um, you know, whether it's the home furnishings or home goods or construction and Lowe's and Home Depot. But yeah, I love, I love to hear what everyone in the audience has to say if anyone wants to come up and we welcome you to jump up here and, and weigh in on, on what you see as someone who, who had a lot of success during the pandemic, but also I'd love to hear if you think they're going to continue that success going forward. You know, one trend that I really like is all the people that started making like different crafts in their home, like candles and various items. And I feel like they became like baby DTC brands and brands like um, or uh, places like Painted Tree, which is like a marketplace, like a physical marketplace that takes over anchor boxes and meets with these Etsy sellers to you know sell a portion of their product. Um, I think that's a really great trend that came out of this, and I would like to see more of that. Yeah, I, I agree. I've seen that too, and I, it's, I could attest that I get a – or not me personally, but my house gets a box from Etsy probably uh, once a week. Like, you know, again, buying – T-shirts and tie-dye shirts and dad hats and all this other stuff that you know makers are putting out there and selling on Etsy. Um, I mean, I think another brand that uh, is exploding, and I know they're they're changing their model, um, is the what I think it's Cricut or Cricut, however you pronounce it. It's the machine that a lot of Etsy people use to create you know those cheeky T-shirts and and, and sweatshirts and whatnot. Um, and I, know I had one of those before the fire. They're they're awesome. Those things I used to make. Like, so yeah, so die cut stickers and stuff with it to die the crossheads. Exactly. So um, uh, like Jana wants one, and she was looking into it, and it's actually interesting. But, you know, pre-pandemic, you would just you'd buy the machine, you'd buy the materials, and you you'd get whatever access to designs somehow. I don't know exactly how it functions, uh, but now they're actually lowering the price of the machine. I think it was like three hundred bucks. And now they're lowering the price of the machine to like 150 or something like that. But it's going to be bundled with a subscription service that you would pay monthly. I think it's 10 bucks a month that would give you access to designs and, and different types of fonts, etc. to go out and, and make your custom, you know, lacrosse heads or hats or, or cups or whatever the, the hot trend is right now. So they've seen a lot of success and they're pivoting in their model and they see that they'd rather give the machines away for cheaper and lock people in on a subscription service to, to, you know, bring in those monthly fees, you know, similar to a, uh, you know, an Amazon prime where that's where they're making the money or Costco. That's where they're making their money, not necessarily on the product, but on the, the subscription service. I just thought that was pretty interesting, which means there's a lot of people that are doing it. If they think that they can lower the price by call it 50% on the actual device, to recoup it and make more uh, just from selling uh, subscriptions. That was pretty cool. That is really interesting for that kind of product. I mean, obviously the subscription services, you know, as a general rule, we've seen expanding in like every kind of industry, but for that kind of product, I think that's actually kind of novel. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've, I've even seen subscription services now. I don't know if you've seen this, Justin, with, um, like uh, underwear, like I think Mac Weldon does it where you could sign up and for like their underwear subscription service and they send you like a couple of pairs of new undies every month. I think it is for a certain, you know, a fixed is that price. So I don't have to wash than... them. I don't know what it, I guess it's just so you have different colors, you know, cause you're always walking around in your underwear or you can see them through your white jeans. 
maybe that's what it is. And they're also, I know the t-shirt brand, a lot of the t-shirt brands are doing that too, where, you know, every month they'll send you three or four new t-shirts, which again, it's kind of cool because you always have a fresh crisp tea to put on and it's, it's, it's yeah. cheaper than buying, just buying the t-shirts and then you're getting, you know, new ones to put in your drawer pretty much every month, which I think is also really cool. And I, I, I think that's awesome. Who doesn't like a fresh crispy tea? I, I like that with the with the underwear model, right? Like you wear them one day, you flip them inside out, wear them the next day, and then throw them out, and you get a new pair, right? That's how it works. Yeah. Is this exactly a guy? Right. A guy thing? What? Did you ask yeah, if it's a guy underwear? thing? Flipping you guys your don't flip like your underwear what? inside out, so you can wear it two days in a row. I've never done that. Hey, Justin, will you make a T-shirt for all of us that says "fresh crispy tea and undies"? <laughs> Yeah. Quotations, Russell. Wait, 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 wait. It should look it should look like the off white logo and it'll say fresh fresh crispy tea. And then we'll get some like boxer briefs and they'll say fresh crispy undies. undies. Gina, can you hey, can you get started on this immediately? Yes. Put this in the merch shop, G. G, it's gotta be in the merch shop. Fresh crispy undies. <laughs> We'll, we'll make them in a boys' version and a girls' version, and the, and they'll they'll be uh, digital army colors. So that'll be that'll be sick. I'll be your first subscriber. Uh, I'm in. <laughs> in in a really weird way, and like kind of pivoting back to like the home furnishings and 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 uh, home upgrades side of things. Um, so you know, a little bit of backstory, but. Um, we had a fire uh, in my home a couple years ago. We had to move out, uh, and we moved back in in November of 19, uh, right before Thanksgiving. And, you know, obviously moving into a house of any kind, there's always boxes of shit and the next project you're going to get to and uh, always a lot of things that, that don't get done right away that are kind of not a priority as you're moving. Um, I found that, you know, with the shutdown, we were able to take care of a lot of those like projects and things that we, you know, were planning on doing kind of all at once. And I know that there's a lot of people who had been in, you know, homes or, or um, you know, apartments or whatever longer uh, than we had that were kind of going through that same thing. So everyone's, you know, had a chance to, to really focus on their living environment, um, which is interesting, obviously, given how much time we were spending in those environments. Um, but I, I think now that people have upgraded their homes, I mean, I, I live in a, a, a fairly nice neighborhood and the amount of outdoor kind of three season patio kind um, we're crazy. I mean, there, there's all of these homes now have some like really serious outdoor space, um, that's designed for, you know, that, that indoor outdoor living, um, and it, it's really, you think about like these folks, you know, probably not dissimilar from, from me and my family, like everyone's working long days, you know, two income household, like, you know, you're leaving in the morning, you're coming back late, you got to cook dinner, do a couple chores and, and basically start the whole thing over again. Um, you know, no one had, you know, no one was home very much. So you didn't spend a lot of time, you know, in your environment, um, or at least we weren't. And, you know, the amount of time we've now spent in the home and like the, the wear and tear we put on that home in, in a year and a half is kind of crazy. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm wondering now like that people have adopted um, spending more time in their homes, spending more time in, in the, 
you know, outdoor areas of their homes. And I'm, you know, we're, we're in the Northeast. It's not great weather uh, for being outside a lot of the year, you know, the height of summer, it's often too hot. And, uh, you know, a lot of the rest of the year, it's too cold. So um, now this is a time that people have kind of gotten used to this. And I'm wondering how much of that sticks around. Um, how many people that, you know, put in pools or put in new patios or anything like that, um, how much are they utilizing that versus, you know, maybe the old way of doing things, which would have been um, around here going down the shore on the weekends or, you know, going to the beach somewhere or going to the lake house or going to the mountains or whatever people do. Um, I'm kind of just more just interested as, uh, you know, a, a student of consumer behavior to kind of see how that all plays out in the long run. I'd say for me a lot, like same where I think we're in a similar boat, you know, we, we moved to the burbs two years ago. So, you know, you moved just before us, but you didn't get settled in until about the same time. Right. Um, I feel like every extra dime that we've had, we spend on the house and that's, I think we would have been motivated to do that anyway. Just that's the type of people we are and we want to make our living space very comfortable. But that the fact that we're home all day, every day, it's all we've really done and leaned into is, making our space both inside and outside comfortable for the family. So I know that I've spent a boatload of money at Lowe's and Home Depot and Wayfair and uh, Overstock and all these companies and just doing little projects around the house to make it, you know, more conducive to being in the house so much. And whether that was building a crazy playroom for my kids or cleaning out the basement and putting a gym down there or organizing the garage or building a patio. Um, it's all things we did because we realized how much you were utilizing these things and how much more it like lent itself to a more comfortable lifestyle. Yeah, completely. Do, uh, does anyone else, like, I don't know if I, Natalie, I know you're considering moving. I mean, is this impacting kind of how you view things? How much do you view, um, you know, kind of your, your lifestyle now versus what you envision in the future being different than what it would have been maybe a year ago? So yeah, great question. My lifestyle has changed a lot during COVID. Um, just on, uh, your last point, my parents have renovated their kitchen their laundry room and there's probably another project <laughs> coming soon. Um, and they do use like, you know, the areas that they've worked on um, frequently, but I don't think they would have done that if it was not for the pandemic and spending more time inside. Um, so there's that piece. Um, I am the typical millennial who moved out of downtown during COVID and into the suburbs with roommates. So I went that route. And um, the good thing about that is it, it allowed me to save money to um, actually go into home ownership. So that's that's great. But um, it's very interesting to hear how much people kind of spent some extra dimes um, to make their living space more comfortable because I think that's a great trend. Um, and I just – I wonder the – you know, how long this is actually going to last if it's like, okay, well now we live in a nice house. Like, do we want to maintain it? Do we want to work on other projects? So I'm curious of your thoughts on that. Yeah. I think from our point of view, like we, we've continued to dump money into things that we wouldn't have expected and um, not to give too much of the, you know, how the sausage is made, but I'll use some real numbers. Like when we moved back into our house, we had to spend about $30,000 on just landscaping and hardscaping um and the reality is you know the 
the vast majority of that was not covered by insurance. So picture this is all done like October of 19. Um, and then by kind of middle of summer, I was like, you know what, this isn't really done the way that I would want it to be done. Like, you know, we, we had expected having a patio for like, you know, quiet nights at home, but we realized like we were entertaining, uh, outside because, you know, it was really the only way we could see our families at the time. And, um, you know, having a lot of people and I'm like, this is just not enough space. So we ended up spending probably another 10 to $12,000 to expand our patio and, and literally just make it longer. Um, and then add like an area for, uh, to like move the barbecue and the grill and like some other stuff. And, and, you know, doing like, you have to do some more plantings then and things get moved and the sprinkler system then gets need, needs to get moved and all this shit that like, um, you know, needs to get basically redone. That was brand new. And we now have a much more functional, better space. Um, you know, but now as the springtime's coming, we're like shopping around for outdoor soft seating. Cause we have, you know, the traditional sort of table and chairs and, you know, the umbrella and all that's great, but like, we don't have enough seats and like, I'd love an area to like lounge. So now we're talking about going to spend money on like an outdoor couch. And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if it makes sense to get an outdoor TV and all those other kinds of things. And I'm like, these, this, these are not things I ever would have spent money on before because we were never home. And, you know, I, I we live a very sort of nomadic lifestyle um, from I'll say like May through October, um, because we're very fortunate that a lot of our families have like, you know, second beach homes and stuff, but we're always traveling or, or doing something or always on the go. Um, but now we're also hitting an age where my son is, uh, you know, five now he's got like weekend sports and things. So we envision kind of being home more and I will probably continue to spend money on, on the things that will enhance our, our lifestyle at home and make it a place that I really want to spend time versus just a place where I feel like I have to, or I'm trapped. Interesting. Yeah, 100%. I'm in the same exact boat. It's, it's literally parallel lives. It's, we're just, we're home. So same, we're, we were never home and now all we are is home. So we're just trying to make our home the inviting place and then ultimately it becomes a place where people once you know it's a little even more free to see people um and we want to be the place where people want to come you know to make it comfortable for everyone so it's it's i don't see it slowing down and and i it's it's the more you live there the more you enjoy it and the more you realize how great it is and you're like well that's just why i bought a house so i might as well put the investment back in it because I'm here. So, so goddamn much. Yeah. So yeah, it's not, it's not, going I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a weird example. So two of the things on my, my wish list right now, which I don't think are realistic and I don't think will ever happen. Um, but just for like, you know, when I'm sitting on my phone, trying to waste some time, these are things that I'm looking at. One is we have a very nice, I guess, three panel kind of sliding door to go from our kitchen to our patio um, I've looked at turning that into like, actually like the, the fold away doors, um, to the point where like the whole thing would open up and you could just leave it open because I love, you know, when you see images of homes in, in, uh, certain areas of the country where quite frankly, they're probably not dealing with as many bugs and things in the summer. Um, just having that full openness from inside to outside is so sexy to me. And I love it. 
Um, I don't think it's realistic for us. It's probably not going to happen, but it's, I, I, I literally am like looking at pricing online and trying to understand what that would be like. Um, and then the, the second one is I'm obsessed lately with the idea of getting one of these like, um, freestanding, like shed type studios, these like pre-built things that, you know, you can put out in your yard and they make a bunch that are very modern looking and very cool. Uh, that would come, you know, you basically hook up some electric and um, it's basically like a single room studio. And I would love that. And this is like the craziest thing to me, because if you asked me this question in, you know, February of last year, I would have like laughed you, uh, you know, uh, laughed as I walked away. But the I've been working out mostly in my basement, but for, you know, the ability every once in a while now to get to a class, our lifestyle has changed. I'm I'm now home more in the morning versus I used to like get up early and get out and go to the gym. Um, so I'm not going to the gym as much. And the idea of like potentially moving like a desk and my fitness equipment, like out to a studio that would have like an open fold away door or garage door situation on the front that I could just work out. And if the weather's nice, I could work out indoor, outdoor, um, sounds so attractive to me. And like to be able to just have an office that's separate from the house because, it's very nice to, you know, have a nice office in the house and that's great, but, um, it's never as soundproof or as foolproof, uh, you know, especially when you have children running around and everything else. So to be able to like step away to go to a place that's separate, um, is very attractive to me. So, you know, I've been, I've been trying to price this out. I don't think that there's any way that we would get, um, you know, I think we would need a variance and everything else. And it just, it's, it's beyond just the money. I think the whole concept would just never fly. Um, but that's where my mind is. And it's like, it, it, my mindset is now spending more time at home. How do I make it more functional versus, um, you know, last year and early on the pandemic it's like work was at work or it was on the road. And, uh, you know, the idea of working from home, even though I always had that ability was just not attractive to me. And now it's very different. So very random, but do you guys remember like the toilet paper rush of the beginning of the pandemic? Does that feel like yesterday or 10 years ago? So we we <laughs> bought like the giantest thing of toilet paper. I don't even know how many rolls. Giantest. And, and <laughs> giantest. It's not the largest. It's not the biggest. It's the giantest. The, it, it literally it must have had like, I don't know, 50 rolls or something. I, it was hard to actually get my arms around. Um, we were able to get it through my wife's work. It was like an industrial supply company. And... We were like, well, there's this toilet paper rush. We need all this toilet paper. I think we literally are on the last roll as we speak. So it lasted like 14 months, 13 months. Um, it's just it's shocking to me that like I was literally just having this conversation yesterday and then you brought that up. So that everyone, I mean, if I you think need I to know have, how much toilet uh, paper we go through, that's that's the answer. We have two years worth of toilet paper in our house. I'm not even sure. <laughs> I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll ever go through the amount of toilet paper we had. <laughs> little little sidebar. Does anyone know what a ghost wipe is? No. <laughs> what is it? So UrbanDictionary.com. My, <laughs> my, my son. My son is obsessed with the fact that. Oftentimes he will go to the bathroom and then wipe and there'll be nothing on the toilet paper. Um, so he uses very little toilet paper, but he calls it a ghost wipe. 
That's good time to reset the room. So this is yes, this week yes. in retail with Saber <laughs> Advisors. Um, we are recording this session as we do with all things. We are content creators uh, and often are recording what we do. Um, so if you want to talk about ghost wipes and toilet paper, uh, please be aware that anybody uh, may hear this at a future time. Um, maybe we should pivot at this point. Um, I know we had talked a little bit um, you know, in, in leading up to this in terms of using uh, Instagram and social media as um, kind of like a canvassing tool. Uh, and I know this is something that we're all pretty passionate about. Um, I know, you know, for myself, I think Instagram is one of the best ways, uh, in my opinion, to get directly in contact with uh, you know the founders and owners of small businesses. Um, and I, I honestly don't know that there's a more direct way uh, than social media sometimes because it's very hard to call those people or email them, et cetera. So, um, I know for myself, uh, it's a great thing. I know Natalie and, and, you know, some of the other folks are using it at a totally different level. Um, that's just super exciting. So um, I might lean on you a little bit, Natalie, to kind of jump in and, and talk a little bit about some of the ways that, that you're using it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I definitely... Um... I'm a firm believer in it as a tool for prospecting either for new business or to find, you know, tenants if you're a landlord rep for a property as well. Um, just on a very basic level, we are lucky enough to be in the retail world where so many brands use social media for a part of their marketing. And we also, luckily, those of us on this platform are clearly <laughs> using social media as well. So it's a perfect match to take advantage of that to um, get in direct contact with the people on the other side of that login. And normally, um, for most brands, multiple people have the login to the Instagram. So you can either hit, you know, whoever sees it first, you can hit the CEO, you can hit whoever's running the, you know, the marketing person running the handle, and they'll pass it along or something like that. So it's almost like a small lottery of if you're directly talking to the head of the company versus, you know, going through 50 emails and <laughs> calls and calling their home office and trying to figure all that out. So it saves like 17 steps by just shooting a message that takes three seconds. So firm believer in this, this process. And, and I think of it even in terms of like, what medium is going to get the most attention on their end, you know, and, and I think even for myself, um, we were, joking the other day because I was calculating I, I get on average 100 emails an hour from about 9 a.m. till about 5 or 6 p.m. So if you think about how many emails that is and, and emailing me is great and I'll respond but it's not like I am literally triaging emails and trying to figure out what's junk and what's not it's easy for something to get overlooked unfortunately. Um, texts are good I get a lot of texts but texts are a better way to kind of get my attention immediately. And then other things like, you know, Slack or whatever and, and DMs are great because I'm just not getting as many of those. So the minute I have a notification on my phone, it's generally something I'm paying attention to. And I think that works the same way with those kinds of folks, right? Like a phone call directly to the business, to the main number, you know, that's probably not the founder or owner picking up. It's probably not a marketing person or someone involved in business development. It's more of a customer service level kind of person. Um, 
and emails, you know, they're getting a million emails of different kinds of things and people trying to, you know, get business a million different ways. It's hard to kind of break through versus, you know, using some of these other platforms is, is a great way to just make sure, look, a lot of people are getting DMS now. Um, but I could tell you like LinkedIn's a great tool of being able to find people and understand who they are, but I'm assuming everyone on here gets like dozens of LinkedIn direct messages and chat requests and stuff like every day. That to me is a, is a source that's just not, it's, there's so much BS on there at this point, it's, it's impossible to break through. So, you know, to me, it's Instagram, you know, maybe it's, it's, um, I don't know, Clubhouse as as an example, if you're able to kind of get someone and, and start a private room and have a conversation, um, you know, I'd love to hear if anyone kind of has some success stories or things they want to talk about. I think we've had a couple of, of um, good ones in the past, but I, I'd love to see if anyone else and even anyone in the audience, if you've got a really good, you know, story, that's something that started on, it could be any platform, any medium, but something that started on social media that turned into real business. Uh, I, I think that stuff's really useful. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to add to what you were saying is, you know, LinkedIn at this point gets so many salesy type, DM messages that it's like, I almost don't want to filter through them. Like I check my LinkedIn messages, probably the least of all the platforms, um, just because I know like 10 of them are (laughs) direct pitches that I don't want to respond to. Um, So I feel like Instagram is a little more natural in the conversation. I could be wrong, but I don't get a ton of Instagram messages that are not direct conversations. Or if I do, they get like caught in that filter. Um, So that's good. So I, I, go and I check my personal brand on social media a couple times a day for like 10 or 15 minutes at a time. So that's how I do it. So I'm constantly like responding to messages, reaching out to people in that way. And then obviously for a bigger chunk, if I'm using it, quote unquote, for a business and for prospecting. So I probably talk to people through Instagram more than I text them which is fine because no one likes to text me because I have an Android phone. So it's, I don't really care, but I swear that people that I have like their cell phone numbers, I (laughs) more often talk to them through Instagram anyway, because we're both on that platform. So it's just kind of funny how that happens. And it's not unsimilar to the brands who are doing that that way too. So, you know, they usually answer pretty quickly. And so I'll tell a quick story that's like very recent. So just the other day I was messaging a um, brand that I wanted as a tenant for one of my listings And I said, hey, like, you know, great concept. Like, I've been there multiple times as a customer. I just want to talk to you about this opportunity. Are you interested? And they were like, yes, but we get a ton of these messages, like, all the time. Like, please email us the information. But we're also looking for a tenant rep broker. Can we talk about that, too? And I was like, absolutely. (laughs) Of course, we can do that. So it's turning into a pitch. So we'll see where that goes. But um, it's just so funny how that all kind of works out. I'm just getting in an elevator, so I'm going to lose you, but can you talk a little bit about uh, Pups Pub? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. So, Justin and I were talking to this Tampa concept, which is run by a friend of mine, Sheila Sukar. Um, it is a uh, – I don't know how to best describe it, so I apologize if I kind of butcher it, but it's it's a dog bar. Like, literally, it's the dog playground, like dog park, um, with a bar attached. So, people will go. It's a membership Um, based model so you have to have your vet records before you can ever bring your dog there but when you do you check in um, you let your dog in the park portion of it and then you go grab a drink and then you kind of just watch all the dogs run around 
it's a really cool concept and it's really taken off here in Tampa. Um, and it's funny because I, um, Justin was looking at them for one of his listings, um, up North and he's like, Hey, by the way, like I'm targeting them like through Instagram. Like, do you happen to like know who they are? And I was like, yeah, I'm actually friends with the owner. So funny that happens. And then the conversation kind of went from there, but it's so funny. Like how small of a world it is, but social media is just one channel that connects that really small world. Hi, Denise. Welcome to the stage. Hey, um, thanks, Natalie. Um, I'm Denise Browning. I'm in Fort Worth, Texas, and um, retail real estate broker. And um, I have, um, Justin was asking about, you know, connections made and, and where you're making them. And I have just absolutely loved Clubhouse and have made so many connections and especially in the tech end of our business and the people that are creating um, apps and things for us to use in our industry. Um, For example, Darius, and I can't think of his last name, has an app that um, kind of relates to what's happening in our industry now with the appointment-based retail. And, you know, I connected with him on Clubhouse and then connected him with my husband, who's um, an executive with a real estate firm here, and they're using him on a, a pilot basis and one of their properties to um, connect customers with a concierge at the property who will actually take their iPhone around and shop for customers. Um, so I just have found Clubhouse to be so beneficial and um, made so many connections that I would never would have made otherwise. And um, and Natalie, you were talking about Tampa. Um, I don't know if you live there, but... Um, I used to lease Hyde Park Village, and I miss it. So, um, um, oh Denise, I'm done. <laughs> Thank you, Denise. Yes, I do currently live in Tampa, and um, Hyde Park Village is one of the ones that um, is just <laughs> one of the best centers around by far. So, uh, great reputation for that property. Have to give you props. And thank you for thank sharing. You. I agree. Clubhouse has been an incredible platform to connect with people. Um, you know, just based on our conversation earlier, if you guys uh, are new to the room, we were talking about as leisure wear and, uh, my current outfit aligns with that. So one of my favorite things about clubhouse is I do not need to put on makeup to talk to people and connect. And so what, what a, what a world we're living in. So I love it as well. Sometimes I do wish there was a visual component that I could like add or put up a picture, like for demonstration purposes, because there's so many times that I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, it'd be be great if I had a picture of XYZ that I could could show to everybody. So Clubhouse, if you're listening, I'm sure you are because big brother, but um, let's get that going. And it's crazy the <clears throat> the amount of people that still don't know about Clubhouse or anything about it. I mean, the Clubhouse in and of itself is such a pandemic success story, let's say, right? I mean, uh, I, I might have my dates wrong here, but I think it basically lost, launched in December. And, you know, because everyone is still kind of in this position where they're not able to, um, you know, be in person for a, a lot of the networking that they would normally want to be doing, um, you know, everyone suddenly is finding this platform. And I think it, what was interesting is it really was, there's obviously an opportunity for, uh, personal development and personal networking, uh, and obviously an opportunity for business networking as well. Um, one of the reasons that you know we moved 
our Wednesday meetings, like, you know, typically our, our Wednesday meetings were, were um, kind of a little bit more sales meeting, just talking about your week, things, updates, what's going on. Um, but the reason that we've moved this to Clubhouse is we love the ability to bring in, you know, new folks like Denise, who we otherwise maybe wouldn't have talked to that maybe, you know, can add value to something that we're discussing that can uh, be involved. And, and um, you know, it's probably a little bit less of us, you know, talking about specific deals and that sort of thing. But at the same time, uh, I, I think it's a great way to um, bring everyone into the conversation. And, and we've really focused on, on, you know, radical collaboration, I guess, throughout this pandemic and uh, really connecting with folks at other companies and, and, you know, not treating each other or viewing each other as competitors, but as collaborators. Uh, and this is a really good platform to do that. Um, I think better than most, uh, even if we were on, you know, pretty much anything else I could think of. I mean, it's so segregated. There's not the ability to just kind of jump in and have conversations. So, um, I think this has been great and, um, you know, I, I'm happy that this app exists and that this, um, you know, platform exists for a lot of reasons. You know, that's a really good point. I do want to say like the other, um, I guess benefit to clubhouse is the fact that we are having our live voices here. And so I really feel like I almost know people better from clubhouse than the other social media platforms um, that I've been on. And I push people to do video all the time just so I can hear their voice. Like that's what I feel like is a huge part of the connection, obviously body language too, but I feel like people like miles and Kristen and uh, like all these people in the audience, I can literally name every single person listening to this room who I feel like I know so well because I know what their voice sounds like. It's a good point. Hopefully like mine is okay. I like it. All right. This Denise, I was just got to echo what, you know, Justin said. I think one of the things that is most amazing is just, and when I try to explain Clubhouse to people, like you're saying, that don't know exists, um, how collaborative and how giving of information people are and sharing information and solving problems or, you know, just offering all kinds of advice. It's, and, you know, and mute and it's mutual. Everybody's just sharing and giving and it's, it's not, like you're saying, it's not, it doesn't feel like, you know, competitors. It's just like everybody's being very collaborative and sharing of ideas. And I just think that's, um, and I think probably what Natalie said, it's because we are talking to one another and we're just talking and, um, and hearing voices. And I, I just think it's, that's one of the most amazing things about it. The way I always view Clubhouse, and I, I'm kind of curious if this jives with other people's um, thoughts about it or if they've got a different point of view. But if I were going to explain this to someone that, that didn't use it, and I had the conversation yesterday, to me, it's sort of like you go to like any networking event that you've ever been to where they have the panel discussion, right? Like It's sort of like the panel discussion about whatever topic is interesting to you. However, you've got the ability to raise your hand and jump up and be part of that conversation or just listen in the background and, and not have to jump in. And I can't really think of any other format digitally or otherwise that, that you can really do that, that you're either actively involved or passively involved in something that's interesting to you. Um, and you're finding those rooms that, that are, you know, in your category. So whether that's, you know, a business related thing, personal related thing, both. Um, but I, I that's really the, 
need to actually for instance is up here and he says the ability to as little as she wants um you know just by raising her hand and jumping up here and if if you know she wants to continue to be part of the discussion uh, Justin, you broke up a little bit on my end. Um, could you repeat the last part? I, I was just saying, I think it's probably more interesting to be able to kind of have um, have someone like Denise, for instance, and Denise started to keep using you as the example, um, but to be able to have Denise come up and instead of just saying like, hey, oh, you know, you brought up a good topic about athleisure wear and then ask a question and then, you know, sit back down in the audience, to actually be able to continue to engage in that conversation organically and, you know, be part of it and continue to add value. Because even if you are, for instance, at a panel discussion live and in person, members of the audience don't really have the ability to jump up on stage and stay there as long as it makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. I've always uh, pictured and described Clubhouse to people in the retail world, at least, as an ICSU breakout room um, to the people who, you know, just when you say panel – which is fine, but um, I agree. I completely agree. It's also like a community feel too. Um, you know, you're in your little tribe, like you mentioned, of your your interest. You know, I follow a ton of marketing and and uh, obviously real estate rooms um, on Clubhouse and a couple of small business things as well. And you know, these are all of my interests. So. I feel like I'm in a community of people who speak my language, um, which is great. Natalie, um, I would like to, you just mentioned ICSC and, um, and Justin, thank you for letting me jump up and insert myself. Um, and Natalie, thank you for pinging me to join the room. Um, um, ICSC, I'm wondering what people's thoughts are regarding the virtual ICSC that's happening this month and the in-person ICSC in Vegas in December. I'm actually hearing a lot more people saying they're gonna attend Las Vegas than I had really initially heard. So I was wondering what people's thoughts are on those if you're planning to attend. I think we expect to be there, at least a, a, a vast majority of us, um, maybe as a firm at Sabre. I, I think I'm pretty excited about the opportunity to get back to some of that. Um, I think the thing that I would say is different, I'm hearing you know, and I'm sure some of this stuff is not set in stone, but I'm hearing that there might be, uh, for instance, um, capacity limits on the number of attendees, uh, you know, within the conference center at a time. I, I think the, the um, focus on deal making is going to be less than it was in years past. Uh, I, I think the nature of what ICSC is moving forward starts to become more and more obsolete. Uh, however, um, I think the ability for everyone to get together in person and see each other and spend time together and uh, go to dinners and um, parties and that kind of thing, I think there's always going to be a need and a desire for that. I don't think that's going to go away. Not everyone's going to be comfortable this year, you know, perhaps doing that. But I, I think um, I, I think as things continue to you know evolve this year, I think a lot of people will probably jump on the bandwagon late. Um, but I think everyone, you know, being in 
you know, the convention center and doing the sit down deal making. And, you know, I just know from my years past, like literally being booked every half hour for, you know, three days, four days straight. Um, I, I don't see that happening as much and could be wrong about that, but um, I just think it's going to be different in terms of how that operates. Yeah, I do think it's different because p- people miss the in-person networking component, of course, but, you know, we've all used virtual things, whatever platform, you know, various, um, to get deals done. Obviously all of us have completed deals completely virtual since the pandemic. So I don't think the need is as great to have like what, what Justin said of these, these booked meetings. But one of my old mentors used to joke that he would go to ICSE just to let people know he was still alive. Obviously just, he did some deals too, (laughs) but he was like, it's really just to show faith. And I almost feel like that's what this ICSE is going to be. It's just be like, Hey guys, I'm still here. (laughs) That type of thing. So, um, that's my thought on it. You know, I, I agree and I'm involved with the leadership of the ICSC and have been for 20 years and, um, as a volunteer. And, you know, I think they are really having to reexamine themselves and, um, and even to the point where they're thinking about uh, actually changing and rebranding the whole, um, concept because we've morphed into being more than just retail and shopping centers you know we've got office components and hotel components and multifamily components and things that as we reimagine these you know major malls that you know are just run their useful life and so they're trying to figure out a way to get more of those people involved because even through clubhouse i've been you know I've connected with uh, someone who does hotels and I'm like, do you go to ICS? He goes, well, no, I don't because I don't do shopping centers. I'm like, well, you should because developers now are needing hotel components and other things to be part of these um, mixed use developments. And, um, and so I think they're trying to expand their brand. Um, they are after September, they are doing in person and it's, they are doing this series of, I don't know what they're calling them, reunions or whatever to like Natalie's point, just to reconnect. And I know we're going to have a live event here, either in Dallas or Fort Worth um, this fall. And, and it's going to be purely networking, not really geared towards deal making, but just um, reconnecting. And, um, and so I think they're trying to make some improvements in the right direction. But to Natalie's point, uh, from a deal maker concept and being like what Justin mentioned, used to go into ICSC and having, you know, every 30 minute meetings, you know, for three days in a row. Um, I don't understand how their virtual one would work. Why would I want to go through the hassle of doing the virtual connecting through some portal when I could just reach out to Natalie direct and set up a meeting, set up a zoom call or whatever. So I'm wondering, and I don't know if anybody's registered for that, but it's, kind of interesting looking because it's like a you know you feel like you're like in a video game like you can see the people walking around the convention and stuff like that and I guess you're going to be able to go into rooms virtual rooms and that type of stuff um there are speakers I think that's something that I would probably attend but I don't you know people have been pinging me for you know one-on-one meetings and I'm like I'm I'm not going to commit to that right now yeah I I understand that 100 percent um, we're coming up on 10 o'clock, so uh, I think we're going to take a pause here. Uh, thank you, Denise, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, this has been This Week in Retail with Saver Advisors. Uh, anyone who um, you know wants to stick around, I think you should join 
uh, Jay Ciano and Kyle and Sarah for their uh, personal branding. Uh, that starts now at 10 o'clock. Bye, everybody.